Alright, John chapter 10 is where we're going to spend our time as you are finishing filling out those envelopes. Pull out your Bible, pull out your app, pull out your your iPhone, your iPad, uh, your iPod Touch, whatever you got. People don't carry those anymore these days, but that's alright. John chapter 10, and we're going to look at the first 18 verses of John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We've been walking through the I am statements of Jesus and we kind of started out of order uh, on Easter Sunday with I am the resurrection and we've been backtracking a little bit. And so here we are continuing our I am statements of Jesus series. Hear now the words of the Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father gives, loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes, takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It happens all of the time. Hundreds of people literally will pack inside of old mechanical ships. And these mechanical ships, they're, they're bought on the internet by Syrian human smugglers. These smugglers, they have taken advantage of the war-torn area in Syria. And so what they do is they charge between $5,000 to $8,000 per family. And they say, you know what? Come to us. We will pack you in the ship with hundreds of other people and we'll ship you off to the promised land. And that's exactly what's been happening over and over again. These ships were never meant to to transport people. They were meant to transport animals only. 
And here they are falling apart. And these human smugglers, they will go online. They'll spend $500,000 and they'll purchase a ship never to see the ship again. They pack the ships with whole families, even little kids. And from what I've read, the the little kids get on free. But the adults pay from $5,000 to $8,000. Here are hundreds of people packed into hot ships. Reminds you of the Middle Passage a little bit. And here they are, shipped off into the sea. And for days upon days, these ships are at sail. And get this, no crew and no captain. Here they are, sailing away for days. The only hope that these ships packed with hundreds of people, the only hope that they have is that the the Coast Guard from Europe will come and rescue them. No, no, no crew, no captain, literally ships without a sail, with hundreds of thousands of people. Imagine what that's like. You gotta be in a bad scenario to take the risk to get inside the bottom of a ship and to risk your life and the life of your family, risk life and limb to get to safety. No crew. No captain. They're called ghost ships. Because when these smugglers send these ships out, they don't want to see them again. You know why? It's because they can afford to buy another ship. They they can afford from their proceeds to go online and to buy another ship. And they do it over and over again. These ships go out to sail with no crew and no captain. Risking life and limb to get to safety. And I want to tell you this morning, when we come to our text, that's the picture that we see. We see John giving us this idea of sheep without a shepherd. And when sheep are without a shepherd, the the proverbial rough waters of life will always take them under. John says, each of us need a shepherd. Each of us ought to long for a shepherd. We are in desperate need of a shepherd. John makes it clear to us that there is a good shepherd who longs to be with his sheep. And we're going to see three main ideas this morning. We'll see the shepherd's pursuit, the shepherd's love, and lastly we'll see the shepherd's sacrifice. But before we go to work, would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for sweet worship this morning. Thank you for sweet corporate prayer. But I pray, Father, that you would be in the midst through the preaching and the declaration of your word. Father, would you speak to us this morning? Lord, we need to encounter you. We need to hear a word from you. And would you tug on our hearts, O God? Would you draw close to us even during this time? I pray, Father, that you would... Move me out of the way that your words would go forth, that your thoughts would go forth. That we would see and hear all that you would have for us to see and hear. I pray, Father, that we would give glory to you during this time. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. 
One of the things we've said about the Gospel of John is that John makes a beeline to his purpose. He tells us in John 20, 31, we've said this before, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I love this because John isn't beating around the bush. He comes straight through the front door. And what I love about this is that it is assumed that some don't believe. It's assumed that every last one of us don't believe. Yet inherent in John's purpose is that he welcomes the doubter and the skeptic. John John says, yes, come. John says, yes, come. Read and turn the pages of my biography of Jesus that you may hear of the Savior of the world and that you may believe. And in your believing that you may have life in His name. He welcomes those who struggle to believe. And He welcomes those of us who tend to create our own idols of worship. John lays it all out on the table. And that's why we see Jesus making statements like, I am the bread of life, and I am the light of the world, and I am the I am, and I am the resurrection and the life. Because as crazy as those statements may be, in John's gospel, the very premise is that we would embrace Jesus and receive Jesus for all that he is and all that he said he's done. So John lays it out on a platter for us. And he is especially uh, getting us to understand that we have a master. A greater master. John wants us to understand, practically speaking, that sex cannot be our master. John wants us to understand that our careers cannot be our masters because Jesus is. John wants us to understand that the idols that our hearts create, that our spouses and our wealth, none of those things can serve as idols. And they ought not to because Jesus is the one that we ought to serve. And John's clear picture for us in throughout all of his gospel is that look to Jesus. That you and I ought to be looking to Jesus over and over again. When we come to chapter 10, Jesus begins with this shepherd and sheep theme. And the interesting thing is, this isn't a new idea. Jesus draws from the, his Old Testament inspiration. Remember Psalm 23, verse 1 through 2, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in cream pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And I also love Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Get this, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They come from me. Do you hear that? Jesus is pulling from this. Psalm 79 verse 13 says, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Psalm 80 verse 1 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Do you hear this? Isaiah 40, verse 30 says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. 
This idea of a sheep and shepherd is very, very clear in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 6, they both point to this idea that Jesus pities, he has pity on the people because they were like sheep, get this, without a shepherd. It's a very clear picture that when Jesus is talking about this in antiquity, they may not clearly understand his message, but they understand what he's comparing to. They understand this idea of a sheep and a shepherd. One of the main ideas here is that we need to see the shepherd's pursuit. Look at verse 3 with me. Look at this with me. The sheep... Hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See, Jesus is the shepherd and his people are the sheep. And the idea behind calling his own sheep by name is to to cry out, to, to speak loudly, to summons, to invite into. And I want you to get this picture. It is the picture of the shepherd inviting the sheep. It is the shepherd's pursuit of the sheep. See, the sheep don't even know to pursue the shepherd. It is the shepherd who is initiating in a beautiful way toward the sheep. Picture the Middle East. Let's say ancient uh, Palestine. And maybe you're on a huge plain. There's, there's no walls around this plain. There's sheep. There's a herd of sheep. And then there's a shepherd. The shepherd has his ragtag garments on, maybe dressed in uh, wool of sheep. And he's got a rod and he's got a staff. He's got a slingshot to defend himself. And this shepherd is, he's a burly kind of person. I mean, he has to be because when the night falls and animals come, wolves come to try to attack the shepherd, uh, and the wolves come to try to attack the sheep, and robbers come, he is the one who is protecting them. So he is watching over the sheep. And if one strays away in the middle of the night looking for green pasture, the shepherd is, even in the, the tiredness of the night, he is looking out for them. And you know what the shepherd does when he strays away he goes to get the sheep he he initiates towards the sheep he pursues the sheep and that's exactly what we see here in this passage we see the pursuit of the shepherd listen to uh, Luke 15 verses 3 through 6 so he told them this parable what man of you having a hundred sheep if he has lost one of them does not lead a hundred sheep. Does not leave a hundred sheep. If he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep That was lost. Do you see the picture of the shepherd here? It is a picture of one who pursues the sheep. And the sheep doesn't know any better. The sheep so easily stray away. The sheep so easily that they are prone to wander. And they continue on in their own way. And what does a shepherd do? In love he goes to get them. In love, He watches over them. In love, He protects them. He pursues the sheep. 
it's so crazy. Um, her name was Helen. Y'all don't know Helen, but I remember Helen very well. I was in the fourth grade. Helen was a little Asian girl, and she wasn't even in my class. And I don't know how this thing grew, but I just had it out for Helen. And, uh, you know, God gave me a heart for diversity from the very beginning. No, I'm just joking. Um, So Helen and I, somehow, we built this friendship. We were not in the same class. And every day after school, I would run to Helen's classroom. I'd stand outside of her door and I'd just wait for her to come out so I can escort her to her bus. Helen would say to her bus driver, Mr. Bus Driver, this is my boyfriend. This is my boyfriend. We knew nothing about boyfriend and girlfriends. But I was pursuing her. I'd go wait for her. I'd go find little Helen. Diversity, y'all, come with me, all right? And this is the picture of the shepherd pursuing the sheep. He, he will go find them. He'll go look for the ones that are lost. This is a beautiful picture. I love this because the responsibility is on the shepherd and not the sheep. Are you hearing me? As it relates to salvation even, I love this picture because the responsibility lays upon God and not upon us. You know what? If the responsibility is on us as it relates to salvation, every last one of us are in trouble this morning. Because we would never move toward God. We would never say yes to Him if it were up to us. Even our faith is a gift. He is pursuing us. And I want to tell you, the fact that you're sitting here this morning is evidence that God is pursuing you. You didn't just wake up this morning and the morning... You you haven't just woken up every morning that you've landed in church and said, you know what, I'm going to be a great person this morning. God was pursuing you. You didn't do that on your own. He's been moving in your heart. And I'm going to ask you something this morning. Have you listened? Have you listened to His voice? Have you listened to His pursuit? Have you said yes to Him in His pursuing you? When you and I say yes to God's pursuit, our lives radically change. Our allegiance changes. We, we are better able to deal with our struggles. We're better able to deal with those idols in our hearts. Have you said yes to Him? Have you said yes to His pursuit? Secondly, we see the shepherd's love. Look at verse 4 with me. The sheep follow him for they, get this, they know his voice. Do you hear hear how the love of the shepherd has compelled them to experience this sense of belonging? They, They know his voice. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, listen to me, and they obey. They obey. That's love. He can call them out and they respond and they obey. They they follow Him. They say yes to Him. And they experience this sense of belonging. Are you feeling like you're alone? Are you feeling like there's no family for you to be a part of? The shepherd is calling you. 
out of love, He is pursuing you. He is calling you. And all He wants you to do is to say yes to Him. To say yes to Him. Then look down at verse 12 through 13. Look at those verses. It gets good here. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because, get this, he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Woo! And I want you to hear the implication here. The implication is a hired hand will always flee because a hired hand cares nothing about the sheep. But the shepherd is no hired hand. The shepherd does not flee. The shepherd stays there even when things look grim. The shepherd puts his stake in the ground and even in the, the, the blistering hot sun, he, he protects the sheep. Even in the midnight hours, he's looking over the sheep out of love. He's doing that for them. Do you get that implication that there is a shepherd, there is a good shepherd who is not a hired hand, who will never leave you nor forsake you, but he's going to stay the course. There's a good shepherd who is protecting us and caring for us, who is willing to do the dirty things to watch over us because he is no hired hand. He cares. He loves His love is deep enough and big enough that He'll stay the course. Look down at verse 16. Y'all, this blew me away. I, I cannot make this stuff up. Look at this. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be, get this, one flock... And one shepherd. Listen to this picture. Here's the picture. In the very beginning of our passage, what Jesus says is, There is a sheepfold. And I call them out and they follow me because they know my name. Get the picture. The sheepfold is Judaism. And the ones he calls out are those Jews that believe and trust in him. And the ones that stay are those Jews that do not believe and trust in him. But what Jesus says in verse 16 is, I have another fold. What is that other fold? If this fold is Judaism and the believing Jews, and this fold has to be the Gentiles. This is some beautiful stuff. So what Jesus is saying is, I have the fold of the Jews who believe, but I also have the fold of the Gentiles believe. Y'all not with me this morning. What he is saying is, I am a God of diversity. He's saying that I am not just a God of the Jews, but I am also a God of the Gentiles. And I know what y'all are thinking. They're always talking about race. They're always talking about diversity. But this is Bible. This is Jesus speaking. He's saying, I'm not just a God for the Jews, but I'm also a God for the Gentiles. And almost every last one of y'all should say amen for that. Because He is a God who loves us enough, who will pursue us lovingly. He will come after us even though we're not of the chosen priesthood. We're not of the chosen race. 
He still loves us and He has called us according to His purpose. Out of love, He did that. And why do we do what we do? Why, why are we begging God that He would give us a church that is gospel-centered, but yet out of that gospel, diverse relationships would happen and that your dinner table would change and that you would be in relationship with people who vote differently than you and think differently than you because of this, because of verse 16. Where Jesus says, I'm not just the God of the Jews, but I'm also the God of a different fold. And I will call them out. And they will follow me because they hear my voice and hear what Jesus is saying when he says that. He's saying they are just as worthy. They are just as acceptable. They are just as worthy in my sight. I love that. I need to hear that this morning. I need to embrace that this morning. I need to rehearse that this morning. There is a different fold. And I I will call them out and they will say yes to me. Have you responded to his pursuit? Have you responded to the extension of love that God had sent through his son, Jesus? Have you responded to that this morning? He's calling us. He's loving us, even messed up Gentiles from messed up families. He loves us. Um, there's, uh, I saw this this deal um, in the news, and uh, you know, it it, it 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 was about a family, and this family had a fire in their home. This family had this fire and um, the community rallied around this family. Man, they, they provided furniture for this family. They, they, they provided clothing for the kids. And, and it was just a serious act. There were major acts of love from this community. And it blew my mind. And this family, their, their, their minds were blown from people that they did not know, who were not parts of their family. They were tremendously blessed by these acts of love. And they would say in their own words that we don't deserve all of this. And I want to tell you this morning, that is what Jesus is doing here. Out of love, He is the good shepherd that pursues and He gives us good gifts that we did not deserve. Out of love, when our lives were in flame with our own sin, out of love, He pursues us. And He gives us the gifts that we don't deserve and they are spiritual gifts. The kind of gifts that will last forever. Lastly, we've got to see the shepherd's sacrifice. And this is beautiful. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Look at verse 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Look at verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Then in verse verse 18, 
No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Do you see this? Over and over again, Jesus says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. Jesus says, I have laid down my life on my own accord. That nobody takes my life. And that's why this is called a sacrifice. This is a sacrifice because Jesus is a living person and he literally offers himself to do what you and I could never begin to do. Jesus stands in our place. He stands in our place for our sin and he does that out of love. What Jesus is saying is he is pointing us in the direction of what's to come. He is pointing us in the direction of what's about to be, what's about to happen. This is very prophetic. Jesus says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. Look into, listen to 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 through 15. Listen to this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I love it. What Paul is saying to the church of Corinth is, Jesus did not just die so that you can experience salvation, but he died that you may give your life away. And give your life away and give it away. Now listen to Romans 5, 7 through 9. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ laid down his life. While we were still sinners, do you hear the sacrifice there? The reality that what Christ did, we were undeserving of. That's sacrifice. That's boldness. That's commitment. He laid down His life. He gave His life. Jesus did what you and I could never begin to do for ourselves. Jesus became guilty so that you and I would not have to be guilty. Jesus was shamed so that you and I could be free from shame. Jesus was scorned so that you and I can be free from it. He said yes to death. He gave up himself. And I love this bold statement. There is nobody that can take my life. I give it up. That's real love. Nobody took it from me, but I willingly, freely gave it. I laid it down. How have you responded to that? How have you responded to that good news? The reality that Jesus really did stand in your place and lay down his life for your brokenness. How have you responded to that? Um, I saw this little, um, I guess it was just like a little skit, a a group of people um, putting something together. And what they did is they went into a major city and uh, they dressed a guy up to look like he's been on the streets for a long time. 
And they took this guy and sent him to different food places with outdoor eating uh, spots. And so there would be a a person, just a regular person, um, sitting outside uh, eating their pizza that they just bought or walked out with. And then this homeless looking person would walk up to them and say, Hey man, can I have a piece of that? I'm really hungry. And you cannot imagine the responses. I mean, people cussed this guy. People went off on this guy. People let this guy have it. But then what they did is they sent one of their guys out to sit on the street. And he had a couple pizzas. And a homeless guy sat next to him. And he said to the guy, hey man, are you hungry? And he handed the homeless guy a full pizza And the guy was blown away. I mean, he was shocked. And he right away began to devour this pizza. And then they sent one of their folks over to that homeless guy. You know what that homeless guy did? When they said, hey man, I'm I'm hungry. Could you spare a piece of this? I mean, he grabbed half of the pizza. He said, yeah, man, I, here you go. Here, how, how much do you want? Is that good for you? He, he offered up almost all that he had. And you know what he did that out of? He did that out of gratitude. Because here he was a hungry, destitute person on the street himself. He knew his own condition and he was willing to offer up what he had to somebody else. That's what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed in such a huge way. And you and I ought to remember all that he has done for us. Out of gratitude, we ought to extend that kind of love to others. Out of thanksgiving, we ought to extend that kind of love to others. Jesus was an even greater sacrifice. Here this homeless guy is sacrificing a meal. And maybe it was one of the first meals he had had in a long time. And he was willing to sacrifice it to give away to somebody else. Jesus came and he laid down his life that he would sacrifice for you and I. It was the shepherd's sacrifice. And it's such a beautiful thing. Because it is your and my responsibility to say yes or no to that sacrifice. How will we respond to that sacrifice? I recently saw um, a deal and it was promoting uh, this ministry who they go to India and um, there's, there's tons of people in India who are born blind for whatever reason. And there was this family, and these two little twin girls were born blind, never been able to see. And they they were born into the lowest caste systems. Their family is terribly poor. And in the words of their father, if I worked day and night, I still wouldn't be able to afford the procedures for my daughters. He was in tears saying that. And when the girls got an opportunity through some donors to get the procedure that they needed, you you should have saw how this family lit up. I remember hearing one of the girls, her, her words were, Mom, I can see, I can see. Mom, I can see. Over and over again, she would say, I can see, I can see, I can see. And with tears in her eyes, they asked... The mother, how do you respond to this? And she says, I'm just thankful. I'm just, 
I'm just thankful. That's how she responded. And what I want to ask you, how are you responding to the good shepherd? Are you responding out of gratitude? Are you receiving and saying yes? How are you responding to this good shepherd who has laid down his life for the sheep? The reason Jesus, the reason Jesus says, I am a good shepherd several times is because he has the authority to do so. He has the authority to lay down his life and he has the authority to pick it up again. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is essentially saying, get this, he's saying, I am the good coach and you are the player. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I'm the good pilot and you are the passengers. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is saying, I'm the good surgeon and you are the patient. Are you with me? No patient can go into surgery without a good doctor. And you and I ought to to remember, even this morning, the position that Jesus is declaring. He's saying, all that you need can be found in me. I am the good shepherd. I am protecting you. I am watching over you. I am caring for you out of love. I am pursuing you. I have sacrificed it all to you. How will you respond to him? How will you respond to that kind of good shepherd who has the authority to lay down his life and to pick it up again and I want you to hear me this morning if he has the authority to lay down his life and to pick it up again don't you know there is nothing in your life that he cannot handle Jesus says I am the good shepherd I lay down my life for you. How will you respond to him this morning? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you indeed are the good shepherd. And Father, we pray that we would receive you for who you are. Father, I pray that our hearts would be compelled to say yes to you for the first time, Father, or Or all over again to say yes and to be reminded of your sacrifice. To walk in newness because of your sacrifice for us. Help us, Father, to be true to your word. And I pray, Father, that you, even as we go home, that you would give us this this sensitiveness to what you're trying to do in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, may we say yes to the Good Shepherd. Father, I pray that you would even bless these offerings that we're about to receive, these tithes and these offerings. I pray, Father, that you would multiply them. Father, I pray that because of them, Memphis, Tennessee would change. I pray, Father, because of them that churches would be supported and leaders would be raised up and ministry would be multiplied because of them. Father, thank you that all that we have belongs to you and we're, we're blessed to give a portion back to you out of gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.